What have we here? Welcome to the wonders of Thedas. Welcome to the Wonders of Thetis podcast, your one-stop shop for all your Dragon Age role-playing game needs. My name is Ren. And I am Jessica, as welcome. always. Welcome back. Good to have you with us. Yes, uh, thank you for joining us so, so close to the holidays. I imagine a lot of you are probably traveling right now. Yes, and some of you, you know, your holidays are, depends on when you're listening to this, it could be right yes. now. Heck, you know what, if you're listening to this, like, years in the future, maybe it's August or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a different kind in of which holiday. case, happy August. Happy August. We're recording this in the dead of winter, in which there's like... Is it nice? I'll bet it's nice. Yeah, there's like two dozen holidays going on right now, so we will not make any assumptions about what you're celebrating. Yeah. Even if you're celebrating Winter Send, which is a mm-hmm. Thedosian Thed- thing. We, uh, if you were watching on our... We put it on our Twitter, right? Yes, we did. Yes, uh, we may have crafted some Dalish goodies last yes. night and posted about them. Authentic and Dalish cuisine. They are... Uh, Dalish heart cakes. And if you guys come up with any delicious Dalish concoctions, you should definitely uh, send them to us. Or if you guys just make things out of the book like I did. Yeah. You should also tell us about those. That too. Those are fun. And if anyone actually has the cojones to go and make, uh, what is it, the the, like the, the pickled fish or something, like, uh, or like pickled crumb, you're actually supposed to like leave it in a barrel with brine for like a year. Oh. Um... If any of you actually do that. Best Please, of luck. Best of luck, but let us know because we'll put it on. We'll put it on the internet. We'll do it. <laughs> Although this week, what are we doing here and now? Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about parties. Party, Woo! not that kind of party. We're going to be talking about uh, being a party, being a party in Dragon Age, mm-hmm. and how to compose your party, how to keep your party going strong, and uh, what that means in Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. Specifically, pretty, yeah, it mostly means pretty much the same things, but. Mm-hmm. We'll point out a couple extra stuff just for Dragon Age. Obviously, some of our stuff mm-hmm. is going to be stuff that you can apply to just about any role-playing game, about being cohesive yeah. and planning ahead and all that good jazz. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that are very uniquely Dragon Age RPG mm-hmm. that need to be considered yes. when you're building a party. Mm-hmm. And there's no one way to do it right for sure, but you might end up playing a little bit on hard mode if you're not careful. Well, you know, nightmare difficulty is always fun. Yeah, it could be a good time. So I apologize if I'm a little wheezy today. Uh, we're it's it's that time of year to everyone gets yeah. sick. We're both sick. I'm always sick. There's so, always, there's always stuff going around. So I haven't stopped being a toddler plague monster. So hey, that's how it goes. Yep. You gotta love them anyway. I do. I still do. Hmm. So what is this week in Thetis? Uh, nothing. There's oh. not a lot of Dragon Age news right now. It's very uh-huh. quiet. Uh, whatever the next Dragon Age game is coming out, we haven't heard. Uh, any, anything about it just seen some weird like teasers on twitter mm-hmm. so nothing really concrete to go on and there's no news right now for green Ronin dragon age uh, nothing on faces of thetis we were kind of hoping we'd get it this year but sounds like we're gonna have to wait till next year yeah hey, you know what stuff happens hey yeah mm-hmm. but as soon as we know something about what's going on in thetis you will know too oh definitely so uh since we got nothing this week in thetis well let's consult the codex instead you can ask me questions if you like I'm not sure why you'd want to, but... Oh, good. Thank you. I'm going to regret this, aren't I? Welcome to the Codex. 
we've got a couple questions this time, and they actually kind of started mounting up a little bit. We're going to be saving a couple for next episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, We love I, you guys, by the way. Thank yes. you so much for sending us questions. Thank you all it's, so much. Uh, it's always so much fun to hear what you guys have to say and to hear your questions and try to answer them. Definitely. Okay. So let's get to this first one because uh, this one we got to a little late. Well, I got to a little late because I, uh, let's see, when we scrambled to get notes together for the last episode, we were a little discombobulated. So mm-hmm. I, I lost your question in the middle of it all. So I apologize. No. Uh, so we're going to get to it now. Let's uh, do it. From David Damon Hoffman on our Facebook page. Thank you, Damon. And thank you for your patience. You were very courteous. Uh, your question was, an oddity I noticed was with some of the dra- damage ratings in some of the uh, listings. Like, how does a dragon tail swipe do less than a greatsword? Or I'll see things where, say, an elf with a bow is doing as much as some great big beastie. Not saying that damage is needing to be insane, like rolling 20d6, it was just a little odd to me. Should I make slight damage upgrades or make things penetrating or add some other effect? Just curious if I've missed something or what you all do. Uh, what you all do. Thanks. And that is actually in its entirety. Okay? That is that is verbatim. There you go. But, uh, just for you, Damon. <laughs> just because we uh, we we messed because up. Because I'm riddled week. with guilt. He feels pretty bad. I feel pretty bad. But um, that's a good question. It's one of those things that can come up when you're dealing with uh, abs- an abstract sort of imagination mm-hmm. based game with concrete numbers. Especially a game that's this simple. Yeah, this game is very simple in a good way. And roll moves very fluidly, but that means that there's not a whole lot of distinction sometimes between mm-hmm. certain things. It does. So I guess um, if you want to make slight damage upgrades, go for it. It's your yeah. game. As uh, obviously, um, that would be the end all be all. End all be all is go for it. It's your game. But I think it would be perfectly within reason to add like an extra d6 to all dragon damage dice because I mean it does not going to boost it that much, and it feels a bit more dragon. Direct. Feels more dragony. Yes, dragons are big. Mm-hmm. Those bites should hurt. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with altering the damage a bit to Absolutely. work for you. And I think usually, what do we do? I'm not the one who's behind the uh, behind the GM screen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I usually run things just as they are, but um, I think uh, the tail slap dealing one d six might also be part of the fact that it's meant to be like part of a stunt. Uh, oh, it's yeah. like a two stunt point stunt. They just get a tail slap ability. They just get a tail slap attack, and that's going to be in addition to you know as a minor action they can do a wing buffet. Mm-hmm. Well, was which, that plus strength though? Oh, that is plus strength. Yes, okay. it's a d six plus dragon strength. So that's still so gonna hurt. That's that's still quite quite a bit, and um, and that can also be as part of a uh, bite and claw, which they get to do as part of a major action. So mm-hmm. you got the potential for like major action, bite and claw. Uh, minor action, wing buffet. If you roll stunt points, you can get a lightning attack on maybe on that bite or that claw, yeah. or you can spend it to get a tail slap, or you can spend it to get both. So yeah, I think a lot of it is just developers find, trying to find the sweet spot between mm-hmm. keeping the game balanced and making the damage seem plausible for what is doing the damage. Yes, and on eventually you kind of have to try to make sure that you're between those two extremes. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that is a good question and. We're sorry we didn't get to it until now. Yeah, thank you for your patience, Damon. Uh, so I hope that helps. It, it's it's up to you. Do what you want. If you're the one running the game. Uh, if you're not running the game, then feel free to show this to your GM. Yeah, talk to your GM. Talk to your GM. I still haven't made that button. I'm really sorry. You can I'm do that. Fix, I'm going to fix that. Yeah, let's get on that after the yes. holidays. After the holidays, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's fair. So uh, our next question comes from Alchemist on the Green Ronin forums. Uh, this is a really good one. I like this one. 
What sources have you taken inspiration from for story and campaign writing, if any? By sources, I mean fantasy books, games, TV, film, etc. Not necessarily Dragon Age related either. And which ones might you suggest for someone wanting to write a Dragon Age campaign? Well, that is an excellent question. Mm -hmm. This is really more of a you thing, though, because you're the one who's fielding it. Right. I'm, the one who's I'm, making the world happen for I'm us. making the world happen. Um... I think the uh, see, I'm. It definitely helps to have to consume as much Dragon Age as possible. Buy the uh, the World of Thetis books. Read all. Read the novels. Read the comic books. Play the video games. This guy is probably one of the most well read on Thetis people <laughs> that you're going to find. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I'm sure I could find somebody who could outdo me. But it's. But uh, I I have a lot of fun because I think Thetis is super cool and. Mm -hmm. I love going through it and finding everything and uh, learning a little tidbits that I didn't know about. I just finished reading The Masked Empire. I haven't gotten Last Flight yet, but Masked Empire, that was a good one. Mm -hmm. Really, it's, and, and they're also incredibly valuable. Those, those books, those comic books and the video games are all incredibly valuable sh for uh, showing GMs um, some of the way, and one of the many, some of the many ways that could, that uh, Thetis can be portrayed. Like if you play Dragon Age Origins, the whole adventure takes place in Ferelden. You get a, mm. you get a picture of Ferelden. A good one. But yes, it's you get just Ferelden. Right, you get a lot of like the major bits in Ferelden, but you know, there's also plenty of empty space on that map that you can use to just put a small town on. Mm -hmm. So you can still make stuff up for your campaign, but there's also a lot of established stuff yeah. for, especially for like people who play the video games and are coming into your campaign and expecting certain things. So you've got stuff to work with. So you're saying the more Dragon Age that people absorb is, the mm. more likely they'll have good material. Yes, this is a Dragon Age tabletop RPG. So makes sense. Getting as much Dragon Age in as you can is good. However, however. Um, as regards non-Dragon Age sources, mm -hmm. I think I can answer to one of those. Yes. And this will definitely heavily depend on your party and the people that you play with. Mm -hmm. But um, just given the sort of, I guess you could say, type of nerd mm -hmm. that we are and the people yeah. that we play with, I think we probably have some very heavy Joss Whedonite influences probably, in, yeah. our, in our games. Definitely. Buffy the Vampire Slayer for character uh, development for sort of... It feels like it could be it just, a Dragon Age universe. It kind of does. Like, the way that things run, the way that events happen, the sort of way things twist themselves around. The way we are crying at the end of every episode. <laughs> hey, that's just that's just season six. Uh, but uh, there's also, you know, like Firefly. That's a good, mm. it's, I mean, it's also just an excellent show. But yeah. I think we've pulled a lot from the way Joss Whedon writes characterization and the way that he... Uh, Sort of portrays adventure. Mm -hmm. That and, ooh, you know what? Uh, Doctor Who, probably. Doctor also. Who, oh yeah. Just anything that you watch a lot of is going to show up a little bit, I think. Oh yeah. In it's... what you do, and we're also Whovians, so. <laughs> it can be really fun to, like, uh, just pick up a piece of media and, like, watch a movie, read a comic book, play a video game, and then I, I'll always mm -hmm. have the moment where I'm like, how do I work this into my game? Yeah, get inspired. Yeah, I'll be watching, like, like we watched Rogue One recently. Oh, I'm wondering, and sometimes it's so good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just thinking, you know, how can I work this into a Dragon Age game? Uh, mm -hmm. Like what? You know, say like what kind of crisis could I work with to make a Rogue One-like Dragon Age game? And a lot of the particulars are very different, but it, it, you can you can still work with uh, things that are from different genres. Uh, you're definitely not uh, restricted to a specific genre or a, or a specific media type or anything. Um, 
really just the more you're just the just consume as much stuff as you can because the more stuff you have the more you've got to draw yeah. on and you're gonna find little cool gems here and there no matter what you're taking in but definitely also read your party find out what your party likes oh, to yeah. watch what they're interested in and you can probably pull from those things or even sort of hint at those things and they might really appreciate that they might yeah yeah great question thank you Next, uh, from the indefatigable. 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 Yeah. I, I, uh, <laughs> leave me alone. Okay, cool. English major. English teacher. <laughs> Parsival. <laughs> Parsival. Thank you again for the question. Uh, <laughs> thank you again. And it's, uh, seriously, say the indefatigable <laughs> Parsival. So, uh, Parsival's uh, question from the Green Guardian forums was, do you think it might be wise to have a house rule that only PCs who are conscious can benefit from non-revived healing spells? It would lend weight to the spell itself and also bring the rules more in line with the computer games, Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 at least, where fallen characters had to be physically revived or have revived cast upon them. And this was kind of in response to our mm -hmm. uh, spirit healer discussions that we had last episode. Which were a lot of fun. But, um... I actually, I think that's an interesting idea. I think that that's a bit dangerous. I, because this game, especially in the earlier levels, can be quite deadly. And in those earlier levels, you will not have revive. It's true. You may just have people who are, and that can work well. If you're wanting a game where, you know, it's no holds barred, don't get too attached to your character, which is pretty common for Dragon Age, then that might be a house rule that you could bring in. I would make sure to discuss it with your party first. Make sure they know that they're playing on hard mode. Mm -hmm. Because that effectively takes those rounds of constitution that you get before you die and makes them pointless unless you have a spirit healer. Which is a bit... that definitely adds some difficulty to the game mm -hmm. and could be really cool yes. in a really like sort of dark, hardcore moment or, or really hardcore campaign. Mm -hmm. But especially for people who are trying to just play the story or who really want to keep their characters into the high levels because they really want to develop them, that could end up being a bit difficult to work with. Yeah, and some players might get a little, uh, little cheesed off that one of them that if you know if one of them wants to survive, one of them now has to be a spirit healer. I think one of the major issues that could come up here is that the person who decides to, you know, if they're not a fan, especially bite the bullet and be the spirit healer has no way of getting back up if they die, or if they go down. It's true. Because if the spirit healer goes down, no one else is going to be able to cast Revive. That can make which, a pretty gritty campaign. And which... could also make it a bit, uh, well, why should I do it for the people who are deciding to be the spirit healer? Because, yeah. yeah. Some folks may not appreciate that. Yeah. It, it really just depends on your party. Yeah. If you feel... think your party's going to be cool with it, then... Check your party. See how, how they feel about it. Check your party. Check your friends. So, Good question. Yes, a very good one. If you have a question about the Dragon Age RPG, any questions of any kind, send a message to podcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message to Caught the Protector on the Green Guardian forums. That's me. Wheezing breath. Oh, wow. <sighs> yeah. I am not sick. I'm feeling just that's, great. That's not healthy, dear. No, I'm fine. Oh, no. It'll be great. How come there aren't any disease-curing spells in Dragon Age yet? 
That, you know, I have actually had words about that. Yeah, they don't get to, I know they that, don't get to do a lot of research. I think that's a, that's the kind of thing that works well for... Uh, actually, we did do that in our campaign. Mm. It's something Very that takes a lot of advanced but... tests and research. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to develop something that cures a very specific disease because it's a terrible disease and we really needed something that could prevent it. It's true. Or cure it's it. It's true. So. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, let's look at what some uh, some of our cool friends in the uh, yeah. internet world In have. the internet world have made. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So we're going to open our books to the Distant Verses. Do you ever wonder what lies at the edges of the map, past the seas? No. I think we have enough to worry about on this continent. Uh, of course, but... <sighs> Welcome to the Dissonant Verses. We have got a couple things on the docket today, one of which I did not add to the, uh, did not add to the notes because it came into my possession, like, hours ago. Oh, really? Yes. Breaking uh, news, everybody. Breaking news. It's a, uh, it's a you heard it here first. <laughs> Uh, first, we'll, we're, we're just going to kind of, you know, shamelessly plug our own blonde. It's because, you know, we... Mm, just the thing that we do. <laughs> right. Uh, we kind made, of, we're kind of neat. A couple of blog posts we made recently on uh, com were item conversions. Um, we did kind of like a, our volume one was just kind of reaching into all levels and all uh, magic item spots. And I was mostly just um, adding magic items that I had made for the home game, mm-hmm. like the creation score. Yes, which is much cooler in this game than it is mm-hmm. in the actual video games. Uh, the my RPG interpretation of it was considerably more powerful than the mm-hmm. video game version, which is good because it helped. It really helps to make up for the issue we talked about last episode, where the spirit healer and healing in general just don't keep up in the high levels. This item mm-hmm. helped solve that problem. And I think I'll be making one of those uh, as well for um, primal magic because mm-hmm. primal magic kind of has the, the same, same issue problem. where. The flame blast does like one d six plus two. After mm-hmm. a while, that's not terribly helpful. Yep, but definitely check it out. There's some mm-hmm. really cool stuff yeah. in there. We made a lot. Of, we made a lot of stuff. We've got a couple of uh, random assortment of items for volume one and volume two. Is a huge collection of rings from Dragon Age Origins. More conversions will be coming, and we'll let you guys know. And mm-hmm. of course, you can follow our blog, one is the Thetis Podcast dot wordpress dot com. Check it out. Check it out. But breaking news. Uh, we have gotten, let's see, I've gotten uh, version 2, the complete version of the adventure Lair of the Seeress from Joe Nolan. Ooh. That's exciting. Hey, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. It's super cool. I, I didn't get to look at it very very closely, but man, let's see, I, 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 what, from what I saw from the first part, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in parts 2 and 3, because now it is actually like a, uh, a prologue adventure and three acts. Oh, man. See, this news is so breaking that I didn't even know about it, so I'm going to have to mm-hmm. check that out as soon as possible. That's really yes, exciting. definitely. And uh, Joe's kids, if you're listening, your dad's super cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You should uh, <laughs> You should be glad that you have such a cool dad. Yeah, he makes cool Dragon Age stuff. That's pretty neat. Makes us nerds happy. Mm-hmm. And there's so, yeah, no, <laughs> nothing better than a happy nerd. Yes, so thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe, for the complete adventure of the new Lair of the Seeress. Let's see, you can find all of these submissions and more archived in our resources for your game page on our blog, wondersofthetispodcast.wordpress.com, which I have said for the third time now. But, <laughs> You're probably uh, going to say it again. Well, no, that, that one you're going to say Wonders of Thetis podcast a few right. times, though. If you'd like to let us know about some custom Dragon Age RPG content or even send us some of your own, you can send a message to Wonders of Thetis podcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, or SoundCloud accounts, or send a personal message to Caught the Protector on the Green Ordy forums. 
That's me. Still you. I wonder if any of you are going to get on the on the blogs. Well, I don't know. Maybe. Or not on the blogs, on the Green Ronin forums. On the forums? I don't know. I get uncomfortable on forums. Yeah, that's fair. On forums, the forums make me uncomfortable. The, uh, that's fair. We've, uh, we've been to the Pathfinder forums and things get a little heated occasionally. <laughs> gets a little gets a little scary. Folks get a little passionate. But, uh, th- no, that's, there's lots of good forums out there. Oh, I certainly, just, yes. Good I don't know. Bad. Haven't been doing it lately, so. Right. Good maybe bad, I'll so. maybe I'll make one. We'll see. So, Either way, shall we move on to our main topic? I think we'll talk about our main topic. Let's see. What we're talking about being a party, having a party, and party composition and, and cohesion. So this is our main topic for today. Is it fate or chance? I can never decide. Okay, so this may sound like a little bit of a vague topic, but hang with us. Yes, stick with us. Uh, We're going to be talking about how parties can work together to greater effect, how you can build your party to work together from the get-go, and how you can get your allies to get your, uh, what you can do to help allies in dangerous situations. (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, that first point, uh, building a party to work together from the get-go, we're going to build a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. And this is all going to come down to session zero, guys. Session zero is super valuable, crucial. And right. this this part of care of party building, we're talking about character interaction, correct? Yes. Okay. Talking about not necessarily building your character, but talking about building the whole party as mm-hmm. a, a party as a whole, taking well, the, taking the big picture. In this moment, we're not talking about the actual physic, the actual numbers of character building for building a strong foundation uh, and ties. Yeah. I'm talking about character concepts, right? Yes. Okay. Just checking. Mm. Yes, I think so. Yeah, well, I mean, what we're talking about here. Ties. Yeah. Ties. Character concept. Maybe. Yes, correct. So, uh, of course, ties are the best place to jump from. They are a part of character creation in the first place. and it's Ties are how your characters already know each other. Mm-hmm. So, we already did a little bit on that. Yeah, we did a little bit on it. Uh, we'll be going into more depth into it today just because it's super valuable for this kind of, for this kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if all the PCs know each other already, it can set the tone for the party's dynamics really early on and give everyone a good idea of what to expect from mm-hmm. this group. So, like, maybe all the PCs come from the same mercenary company. Maybe the PCs grew up in the same town or at least nearby to each other. Maybe all of them were students at the University of Orlais. Maybe your characters are all criminals who decided that keeping together was a better, was better for survival. Yeah, it's really any sort of... Uh thing that pulls you guys together any sort of background mm-hmm. and it really does make things easier oh my God. we were very fortunate in that our party just sort of ended up going together quite well yes because we did not have a session zero we didn't know we uh we had i think like individual like starter sessions yeah individual story sessions just to get everybody into the same place and mm-hmm. it kind of worked oh yeah well and now our the three that we've got are mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. tight super tight but these can get your group together even before the campaign starts. So as you guys can hit the ground running as friends or as and frenemies, uh, frenemies, all that gray area in between. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're working with a more in media res or you all meet in a tavern kind of beginning, that is perfectly fine. Ties mm-hmm. uh, can signify a past association. They don't have to mean that your party has been traveling together this whole time. Mm-hmm. Maybe your party members who work together on a job or two and then went their separate ways. But you guys would recognize each other. Maybe your PCs are childhood friends who moved because parents got new jobs. Or 
Maybe some PCs were friends until one or more learned they had magical power and were taken away to the Ooh. Chantry or to the Circle. I like that one. That's yeah. a good one. Could mm-hmm. lead to some really uh, interesting role play opportunities. Later. Definitely. If you guys build, you guys, uh, so you guys can definitely build cool adventure hooks or even just just plain old drama hooks into those ties because you know mm-hmm. two people who grow up to each other's friends, but then one of them accidentally freezes a, a flowing river. They <laughs> get dry. They get dragged away by Templars one day and. When you they, don't see them again for several years. Mm-hmm. You eventually meet them again, and it's it's kind of like you know old times, like you guys recognize a lot of each other's jokes, but something's gonna be really different because they grew up in a completely different world from you. Yeah, they, and they've now good, they can good freeze point for conflict. Yes, definitely. So, but, uh, and again, if you have a meet in a tavern kind of beginning, it can work out perfectly well. We met on a road, literally. Mm-hmm. I just kept adding ourselves to the party as the caravan went down the road mm-hmm. and it worked out just fine so it can be either way can work i mm-hmm. think it's easier if you do have some solid preset ties yeah so uh next besides ties are the ever valuable goals mm-hmm. now this is something we did share yes we did talk about this already we talked about how to make goals well um, and also as a party this is we happen to have certain goals that were very similar yes, compatible it's true if your group shares goals, they have a common cause, and they're going to work together regardless of their backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may disagree on the means of doing so. That can make some excellent drama. Yeah. If you go this route, however, please discuss it with your party to make sure that no one's feelings are going to get hurt. Yeah, definitely. Maybe all your PCs have a beef with a specific member of the Carta, the Kirkwall Cood, or even the Antiven Crows. That's a dangerous set of people to be angry at. You know, uh, and they all work together to reach a prominent member of this organization. Maybe all the PCs want to start their own mercenary company or start a local chantry or research some ancient lore about spirits. Uh, maybe all the PCs have a friend in common who is in peril. Goals are great for setting the to- also great for setting the tone of the campaign's future because ties are where your characters have been, goals are where you're going. Mm-hmm. And if you're all going to the same place, it's going to be a lot easier to uh, mm-hmm. provide meaningful content for everybody. Definitely. If everyone wants to kill that archdemon, <laughs> we're all in it for the long haul. That's... That is definitely a goal to have. That is, that is if there is an archdemon in the world at the time, that should probably be your goal. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like a baker or something, then maybe. Don't right, then it. maybe you just kind of want to get away from maybe. the darkspawn until dust settled. Yeah. So, if you want a bit more information on making goals, we've got an episode <laughs> about it. You can go check it out. It's episode nine. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Why we are here. I, I like that episode. That was good. Goals are a really important thing to talk about. So here's another important thing to talk about. Backgrounds. Now this is different from ties in Correct. that they... this uh, Ties are two characters who know each other in the past. Backgrounds are something that each different character... You could have two with the same background. Mm-hmm. But if you've got two with a different background, they could still have a tie. Certainly. Backgrounds are your character's package. Uh, your character's complete package of uh, where they come from, what they've learned, what their general education is, mm-hmm. what can they do. What, what they believe. Of, yeah, what they believe. So, um, PCs who come from the same origins likely have the same background, and that can create a lot of friendship right away. Like, two Elysian commoners will likely share opinions about subjects like the nobles and their grand game, elven bandits, and magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh-huh. Devendra Laytons will give each other exasperated head shakes when Southerners erroneously call them magisters. Hmm. All the Laytons will understand that one. All the single Laytons. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I. Did you just do that? Put your staffs up. 
Okay, so also people who are Dalish, which is an excellent example that comes from our own campaign, can, even if they're from different clans, they can still have some shared customs and sh- they will obviously have shared beliefs. Mm-hmm. And their lifestyles were probably very much the same before they became adventurers, which means that they'll have a lot of things that they can bond over. Uh-huh. Now, of course, each background has plenty of wiggle room to create countless character concepts, but if two PCs have the same background, then encourage those players, if you're the GM or if you're, if you're the players, then talk to the other people who are taking the same background and see if you can find some common ground that they can stand on together. Some backgrounds are going to give uh, PCs perspectives that might clash a bit, and that can work well if the players are ready for it. For example... Surface dwarves and dwarves with backgrounds from Orzammar could have some very intriguing conversations, <laughs> especially if non-dwarves seem really confused that the dwarves in the group aren't getting along. <laughs> yeah, the, if you know much about the lore with the dwarves, surface dwarves and dwarves that are from Orzammar generally do not get along very well. Mm-hmm. They tolerate each other to a degree, but... Mm, yeah, it's it's not it's not a fondness though. No, it's not. Definitely not. Uh, for Elden craftsmen who can all be crafters or chantry brothers and sisters, uh, may have some problems with circle mages, and if they if they are discovered, apostates. And on that subject, uh, apostates, legal <laughs> mages, are likely going to raise eyebrows at best and ra- and raise swords at worst from most other backgrounds. But some people are more open minded than yeah. others. Uh, one thing in particular, obviously, if you're going for somebody who's either just been, who has been a Templar or is trying to be a Templar, something else involving Templars, be very careful bringing an apostate into that party. Mm-hmm. Could oh. make some interesting stuff. Also very difficult to work around. Yeah, I have a plan for that. Yeah, make sure you've got something set up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apostates versus the world. Apostates versus the world. Most people don't want to hang out with apostates. It's a little easier if you took the uh, Dalish mage, like the mm. keeper. Yeah. If you took a keeper background, you're still kind first of background. still kind of an apostate. Yeah, you're still technically an apostate, but at least but the, the Dalish world. are gonna like you. Yes, the Dalish will like you. Same goes for your dumb shop. Got a few people. <laughs> Some backgrounds can immediately lead to more com- complicated relationships, like an Orlesian noble who brings a city elf servant along her adventures, mm. or a Ravani who may have left the crew of a waking sea raider to pursue greater fortunes, which the raider may desire to collect or capitalize on. Mm-hmm. All kinds of cool things. Uh, don't so don't forget to have your backgrounds bump into each other and see how they, and see what sticks. Just throw them at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Still okay. Oh geez. So when making your PCs, uh, make sure that you cover the bases. Now this is a more crunch related discussion. This yes. is numbers and actual character creation. We've worked our way through the fluffy outside and the now we're in the crunchy inside or yeah. is that supposed to be the way around it could be a different kind of cookie or something. it's a different kind of cookie we made our cookies backwards deal with it, <laughs> deal with it. magic yeah, we, magic that's what it is they're not chantry sanctioned <laughs> is that a templar anyway what we mean uh what we say with that is when we mean that you should talk to your party members and ask what your allies can do cover mm-hmm. the bases who can Make pick locks sure. Who's good at fighting? Who's good at talking? Who can, is the least likely to run when a dragon roars at you? Can anyone heal injuries? Can anyone sneak? Mm-hmm. Etc. 
it's generally a good idea to try to fill as many roles as possible. Mm-hmm. But, and I think we're going to talk about this in a, in a little bit, yeah. that, you know, if everybody really wants to play one particular thing or one or two things, that may not always happen, and there are ways to work around it. Mm-hmm. But just make sure that no matter which way it goes, that everyone is aware of what everyone else is playing. Yes. Because that way you can decide to cover the bases in certain ways mm-hmm. or be prepared to have certain weaknesses. Correct. Let's go a little bit into that. Yes, uh, we have uh, chosen five general roles that are good to try and fill, and this, of course, is going to be a different philosophical discussion depending on which blog you go to. So this is out. Hmm. Um, but five general roles, and these are definitely these are like some of the really big iconic ones. Um, Things you might want to have. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, we call the muscle. They are the intimidators, damage dealers, tanks, and creators of magical mayhem. These can really be any class. Uh, warriors tend to fill this role most easily, just because mm-hmm. they get the biggest weapons and the heaviest armor. Yeah. Uh, mages have, can wor- have to work a little harder than others to fill this role, but it is certainly possible. Yeah. There's at least one specialization I can think of that mm-hmm. would lead to this. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. I hadn't thought about that, actually. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Be some muscly. You could be the mage muscle. Uh, the second role that we uh, that we consider to be big is the sneak. Which is ledger domain, lock picking, traps, stealth, and other subtle methods of solving the challenges. This usually this role matches rogues perfectly, but it's not necessarily restricted to rogues. Mm-hmm. You're going to usually see these things being done by your rogues because mm-hmm. a lot of these things are very dexterity based, mm-hmm. and odds are extremely high that your rogue is dexterity based too. Yeah, and your rogues have got some talents that <laughs> let them reroll a lot of checks mm-hmm. based on subtlety things. Yeah, so. Certain things that are unique to rogues. Yes, that make them particularly good at this ability, mm-hmm. this particular role. Well, it is by no means restricted to rogues. Uh, next is the face. That's it. The face is the character who can talk for days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It usually means uh, someone with a high communication, uh, but it can also mean strength, intimidation, cunning writing, willpower, faith, or anything a PC could reasonably and reliably use in role-playing encounters. Mm-hmm. Now, these can definitely be any class. Uh, but they can be surprisingly uh, difficult for rogues, even though communication is a primary ability for them. In fact, because the communication is a primary ability mm-hmm. is why, even though usually you think of the fast-talking rogue, yeah, that is a little harder to pull off for rogues than it is for mm-hmm. warriors and mages mm-hmm. because they're going to have to pick between their communication, their perception, and their dexterity mm-hmm. in order to, you know, they only have so many ability advancements, and every time they put a point in communication, that's a point they're not putting into dexterity. Mm-hmm. Or into perception, perception, which are their combat stats. Mm-hmm. So, for them, they're every time they do it, they're taking away. Warriors and mages do not have to worry about that nearly as much because it doesn't compete with their vital stats. Correct. Like warriors, let's strength dex con. Yep. You can do whatever you want with the other set, and oh, yeah. communication is a good choice. Yeah. Likewise for mages, you've got uh, cunning, magic, and willpower. Mm. All stats that they very much need. Yeah, you would not have room if communication was one of your primaries yes. as a mage because you need those three. Mm-hmm. But since it's not, you can spend as many points as you like and go. not compromise your combat role. Yes. So, uh, the next role, let's see, one that I'm quite certain that you are fond of. Yeah. I like that last mm-hmm. one, too. The last one, the face, you are very good at doing faces. and. Face. Vogue. Vogue. And then... Um, <laughs> this one. This uh, the role is called the healer. This is the person who works to keep the party alive. 
This can be done with chur- with the Chirurgy talent mm-hmm. or with spells, and both can work quite well if you invest in them, <coughs> especially if you invest in both. Yes. And uh, one thing that our party has done as well, and that I would recommend for any party, mm-hmm. is to have more than one person be at least passingly good with healing, whether it's magic or Chirurgy, because if one of them goes down, the other one needs to still be there to help them get back up. Yep. And that is something that actually at least once has saved our party. That's true. Because uh, I went down, mm-hmm. and it was Callian that fixed yeah, me up. Callian's got that chirurgy talent, and I think she's got it at journeyman degree right now. Yeah, she's doing pretty well with it. She's but, doing well. Mm-hmm. And like we said before, healing is not always going to keep up with the damage coming your way. But And so some people may not think of it as a super valuable role. But dice don't always go our way. For some of us, more so than others. It's true. But when the rogue takes a lethal blow to the face and the rogue happens to be a glass cannon, you will be happy that you have a healer or two on hand to put them back into the game. We will be so happy. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I'm pretty sure... Thank you for being a friend. Wait. No, I just went golden directly. Yeah, she did. That's fair. Yeah. And then, uh, finally, we have um, one that, that's... Not, necess- not necessarily as vital as the other ones, but is... Depending still, on your campaign. Depending on your campaign, is the scholar. The scholar is the person who knows stuff. When you come across an ancient tomb, picking up the wrong fork in an Antivan banquet, or you need to know how to fix a trebuchet, these are the people that you call upon. This mm-hmm. is not a vital role, but it is an immensely useful one. Lore-based tests, especially in Dragon Age, are the most likely to require a specific focus to even attempt the test in the first place. So having mm-hmm. a lore-based focus never hurts. Absolutely. You'd be surprised how a single failed lore test can paralyze a party. If you don't know what you're dealing with, the mistakes are probably going to follow. It's true. If you have no idea, like, what, you know... What this monster is, or... What kind of magical equipment might be there, Mm -hmm. and what kind of, uh... (laughs) Is this elf root or poison? Mm -hmm. Let's see. Oh, no, wait. It's rash vine. (laughs) Oh, man. Itchy. I mean, you know, I wish somebody had natural lore. See, there you go. Prevents yep. you from getting skin rashes. There you go. Don't eat rash vine. It does not go well. And um, important note about this one, as it is not absolutely vital that it be a single role, mm-hmm. this role is easy to fill up by having everybody have a little bit of knowledge in one thing, mm-hmm. and you can cover a surprising amount of wor- a surprising amount of uh, focus yes. uh, material that way. Yeah. So yeah, you're. I I know a couple characters, like in other games and even in Dragon Age, who are very lore focused, and that's that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But like you said, yeah, like you know, maybe your uh, the soldier is going to be really good at military lore. The mm-hmm. person who comes from the circle is going to have arcane lore, mm-hmm. and the person who maybe was like healing people out in the wilds is going to have uh, healing and natural lore. and natural lore. Mm-hmm. All good things to know. Now, of course, uh, these roles are general, and not every single one needs to be filled. And um, it's also worth noting that most roles will not have a single character filling them. And it's and it, it's good for mm-hmm. your character to be filling multiple roles at a time. Yes. So, complementing each other for a wider range of skills. Absolutely. Our group, uh, for, yeah. for example... You guys probably know all this already. Mm-hmm. But... Our group has a magical and a mundane healer, so everyone can get their health back when they need it. Everyone, uh, yes, everyone in our group is part of the, has the face role. Uh, one is a liar, one is a public speaker, and one's a skullcracker. Yep. Everybody can fight. 
Uh, one is uh, one is wearing armor like a second skin and cannot be knocked down ever. Never. Uh, one it hits like a hits like a cannon and breaks like a glass window pane. Correct. Uh, and one controls with magic. Yep. So you guys, you guys, we have, I have a we have a really cool party, and these mm. folks just know what they're doing. We love our party. Mm-hmm. We do. So, um, a couple more uh, crunchy things. We're going to talk about class combos and synergies. Uh, what mm-hmm. class? What class? Your what classes your party brings can have subtle impacts on your group's abilities and capability for challenges. It is most recommended that every party have a member of every class, uh, but it is not required. Mm-hmm. So you can work with any class compositions, <laughs> but there are going to be some pitfalls for certain party compositions. Yeah. But it can be worth it. Like, if you have a group of, say, a party that's all mages that have just mm-hmm. escaped from a circle. Yes. That and are trying to solve, like, they escaped so they could go solve some great evil before they get caught. Mm-hmm. That makes a super cool campaign. Yep. However, you will have to deal with the fact that you only have mages. Yes. And yeah. uh, some of the issues that can come with not just, even just not having warriors mm-hmm. are extensive. So it's stuff to keep in mind if you do decide to go mm-hmm. without any of these one, any of these particular classes. Correct. So GMs build uh, and see build your encounters to accommodate these things. Um, mm-hmm. If you have no warriors in your party, it means that technically the heaviest armor that anyone can comfortably wear in the party is heavy leather, for oh. for armor rating. Mages can get rock armor, but you shouldn't expect to always have that on. It's not always going to save you. Mm-hmm. No one can pick up big two handed weapons without difficulty. The party on average is going to have lower health, but as you have demonstrated, <laughs> some if you you know if you're a mage, just pump your con, just do it. Make, yeah, it's, make it's sure your constitution idea. is high. Yeah. You exercise a lot in the circle. Yeah, you were bored, or ran a lot in the forest, or whatever oh, you yeah. did for the past. Or maybe days. ate some things that you probably shouldn't have had, <laughs> had when you were a kid. There you go. You gotta eat the wrong herbs to know which ones are the right ones. It sounds unpleasant. <laughs> probably. Uh, warriors also tend to hit harder than other classes earlier on, where they can be caught up to in later levels. Mm-hmm. That part can is a little bit less of a concern, but mm-hmm. you definitely will be missing... The biggest part, I think, is you're going to be missing the tank. You're going to be mm-hmm. missing the person who can take the hit. Yes. Because, like, uh, Alora, who is our soul, who is our warrior, I don't think anybody can even come close to soaking the damage that she does. <laughs> it's absurd how much damage she can soak in a round. She and it's good, because we would be flat-out dead if she didn't. It's true. So definitely keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, if you've got no rogues in the party, uh, you are going to have a harder time with penetrating armor rating because rogues can do it at second level. Rogues can do pierce armor for t- for one stun point, mm-hmm. but everybody else has got to do it for two. Yep, it's just easier for rogues. Rogues work quite well with guile, and while other classes can certainly pick up the slack, they are likely to pick up the slack. They are likely focusing on other things, which may cause themselves to be get, get a little spread a little thin. Yep, means, you know, if you're a mage and you're focusing on your magic and you're focusing on your communication or your constitution, and now all of a sudden you have to have a whole bunch of perception and dexterity so that you can fulfill the uh, guile aspect, you're going to have some problems. I can cast Inferno, Blizzard, and <laughs> Inferno, Blizzard, and Lightning Storm all in the same area. Create Storm of the Century, but there's a locked door in front of me. Yeah, what do I do? Someone help. Do I blow it down? No, oh, this is an infiltration mission. <laughs> oh, neat. See? Rogues. 
Rogues also tend to excel at ranged combat, so your party may lack ranged abilities. Now, mages can work with this with, with, arcane, with certain spells and arcane lances, but rogues have access to you know bows and crossbows, which have a lot more reach than uh, a lot more reach than most mage spells do. It's true. They are very good for that, and I don't underestimate the importance of being able to do penetrating damage. Ugh, don't. There, I think, I think rogues right now, the the rogue, um, there's two specializations for rogues, and they're the only ones that can do penetrating damage when they perform the Pierce Armor style. Yeah. I think it's Duelist is one of them. Yes, and the other one is Marchman. Okay, but yeah, it's it makes things much easier, and that's why when dam you're looking at damage dealing in the higher levels, you're gonna start looking more at the rogue for the damage dealing than the warrior. But without mm -hmm. a rogue, you're gonna have to find some other way to Pierce Armor. Mm -hmm. At least that's how it's going in our party. Yep. Everybody's got a well-defined role, and they do it mm -hmm. well. They do it very well. Uh, if you have no mages in your party, <laughs> obviously the only magic you have is the one that is the stuff that you carry in your hands. Mm -hmm. um, dealing with other magical foes can be very tricky without a mage on your side. Yeah. Your uh, party's going to have less crowd control ability uh, and possibly less uh, utility abilities, like creating magic lights, dream sending, magically searching for items. Yep. Then you can only do it with majory. Yeah, that's some... You'd think that having light that you can carry with you wouldn't be too hard if you're used to other games. It's quite difficult to actually make happen mm -hmm. in Dragon Age, short of basically being a creationist. Yeah. You can bring a torch along, but those can go out. Those go out when you get underwater. Yeah. Magic lights don't. Also, you have to hold them. Yes, that's true. Um, you're going to have very few area of effect attacks, so you're mm -hmm. not going to be able to hit a lot of people at once. Actually, can you think of any that come for... Can you think of any AoEs that I mean, are non-mage specific? For rogues and warriors, I guess you guys could get bombs, but mages can do that too. And yeah. I guess you have dual strike, but other than that... Seriously, like, the AoE area of effect aspect it is going to be difficult, and that goes back into having crowd control issues. Yes. And um, uh, one final effect that not having mages in the party has is the game may feel a little mundane. Yeah, that can be worked around, though. It can be. It can if, be. If you've got people who are expecting a whole lot of magic to be a major part of the story, then yeah, it's probably going to feel a little lackluster. Mm -hmm. But if it's actually, you could make a adventure about a bunch of non-magic people trying to overcome some sort of evil magical mm -hmm. syndicate of apostates yes. apostate syndicate apparently <laughs> but that sounds awesome it's happening they and they have to try to do it without magic because they don't mm -hmm. have magic and maybe even like there are certain magic special areas or barriers that you wouldn't be able to pass if you had magic but mm -hmm. the party doesn't so they can get through but they still have to struggle with what's on the inside correct because they don't have the magic mm-hmm so, of course, I guess if you're like going to be having an adventure where everyone's coming out of the Chantry as a Templar, you're probably not going to have a lot of mages Yeah. as friends. You might, but... Yeah, Circle Mages maybe, but we're not going to have any Apostates anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so those those are the difficulties that you can have in uh, by missing out on each individual class. Mm -hmm. Having the whole party be one class can kind of compound those difficulties, mm. but you get so you get to be really good in particularly specific things, and so your party will excel at certain stuff, but you will have to deal with those pitfalls. Yes. Like warriors, <clears throat> if you're all warriors, you guys aren't going down anytime soon. You're going to have all the armor, you're going to have the heavy weapons, you're going to have all the health, 
you're just going to sit there and whack things until mm-hmm. morning light. And it's probably going to work out for you pretty well unless somebody casts some sort of mind-affecting ability. Mind blast. <laughs> <laughs> well, they actually probably wouldn't have too much problem with that because it's a strength, strength test to get up. Test to get away from it, but, but if there's, say, a desire demon. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody who's using entropy magic, which yep. requires you to make magic tests Then to you might be in it. trouble. You're probably going to be in trouble. All rogues are going to be able to infiltrate pretty pretty darn well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you could even bypass entire dungeons just because your party, it being all rogues, is going to be able to sneak through to the boss. However, if that boss is, say, wielding a super heavy weapon or dealing all sorts of magical damage, you may find yourself in trouble. Mm-hmm. All mages, boy, are you going to have a sparkly time. That's <laughs> a lot of magic flying around. And you're going to have AoEs. You're going to be knocking people away from you like bowling pins. You're going to be able to heal each other. You're going to be basically bending the world to your whims. Super cool. But if there's a really heavy door... You might have a problem. What we do? Do we magic I mean, it? You, you could, I suppose, blast the door to pieces, but that might not work so well in well, certain cases. Certain cases, the fire is not going to work. And you're well. not going to, I mean, rock armor is good, but it's not always going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to withstand as much as a group with martial will. Yeah. So, all those combos are going to have the complications of not having those other two classes, even though they have those great bonuses so just be careful yeah. plan, plan ahead make sure your gm knows your party composition well and knows what to expect so they can work with you to accommodate you and make challenging and effective scenarios heck yeah so group sizes time. yes next part we're going to talk about is how big is your party that you're bringing mm-hmm. uh it can have a lot of influence uh in game and out of game so good party size is about four people pretty standard pretty standard unless you have at least one member of every class and an extra member so you can be like have an extra warrior an extra mage or an extra rogue <clears throat> that's the it's the standard that the video games operate on mm-hmm. um but more or less can still work just fine our group has three members one of every class and they work quite well together yes we had more yes we had a second warrior I, and, I, missed, uh, I missed a lot of them actually yeah we had two extra warriors because mm-hmm. yeah, that's right yeah we had uh Linnea. Oh, Linnea. And then we had Banak. Yes. Um, I don't miss Jack as much. No, no, Jack. I miss, I miss the player, but see, she was playing Banak by the time she left, so right. I didn't miss Banak and miss that player. Correct. If and you're listening, Sarah, we miss you. We miss you, Sarah. Miss you, Barbara. Barbara. Miss Nick, Nick too. Miss Nick. Belriel. Yeah, that was, that was cool, man. He's a mage, right? Yeah. I think he was. So we actually, we had six for a while. That's true. We and, had a lot of but, folks. uh... Three is working out quite well, because we do have one of each class. We're definitely playing to our strengths. We are missing, like, the downside to having three is that we are only good at the things that these three versions of each class, of their classes, are. Mm-hmm. For example, I am great for healing, and I'm great for spirit magic, and I'm a good face. But if you need entropy, or if you need somebody to blow something up... I'm not going to be very good at it. Hmm. And we don't have that. We don't have a whole lot of AoE damage because that's not what I do and I'm the only mage. If we, When we had two mages, actually, that was shored up very well when Nick yeah. was playing Felriel and was able to blow things up while I did my support role. Yes. 
So that, that's one of the benefits that can come from having a large group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> of course, having a smaller group means you can cater more to each individual character's goals, ties, and story. It's true. Groups of five or three can work very nicely. Uh, getting more or less than them will have some effects that mm-hmm. you should be Substantial, for. like the ones we were just talking about, but more so. Mm-hmm. Uh, groups of two or a solo campaign <laughs> where it's just a player and a GM. Um, well, it's not going to have a lot of skills and powers to cover situations that larger groups can cover. So they may end up spreading a bit thin to accommodate the lack of certain powers. These groups are going to need to be very careful, and uh, GMs will need to build encounters and challenges that suit the PCs and their skill sets closely. Mm-hmm. Got to be very careful with that one or two player party. Mm-hmm. Giving them a challenge uh, that they cannot handle uh, is not necessarily out of the question, assuming they can find aid from NPCs or other resources, but GMs may have to throw the PCs a lifeline once in a while. Mm-hmm. Or I guess the PC. Yeah. If it's just one. Mm-hmm. These guys are also going to have the hardest time coming back if the dice go awry. Yeah, if things go bad. In a party that's got three or more, if one person's dice go badly, you've still got at least two more people whose dice maybe aren't going quite as badly to help. If Especially if it's a solo campaign. If that person's dice go badly, that's a party wipe in that it's one person and all right. you needed to wipe out was one person. That's the end of the campaign. Potentially. So it... It can be very difficult if one person in a small group goes down. Yes. So just you be got two careful. people, that's half of your party unconscious. <laughs> Not good. So, uh, groups of six or more can be fun, uh, but also can be a bit tedious or unwieldy. Or unwieldy? Yeah, unwieldy. Unwieldy. Uh, having large groups means a wider range of skill sets, so more challenges can be tackled. Those challenges may end up feeling easier than expected as multiple PCs might be able to contribute to an encounter at once. And having lots of PCs who can fight may t- make combat encounters feel less dangerous than they would for smaller groups. Mm-hmm. Now, more PCs also means longer initiative tables. More people means more turns being taken from both the PCs and adversary side of the table because the GM is having to add more enemies to the combats to keep them exciting. Um, this will make encounters, especially combat encounters, take longer and feel more difficult to handle. This may feel less than for exploration encounters, but role-playing encounters can also suffer from this if all the PCs wish to speak. Mm-hmm. If all the PCs get a turn to speak and they've all got speech plans and you've got seven people who need to go through their speeches... It will take you some time. Mm-hmm, you have to set aside a day for it. Now, also, more people means that there are more goals and there are more ties that all need to be worked into the campaign. More ties means that the players may have to think a little harder to have connections to the whole group. Mm -hmm. More goals, especially if the goals don't all line up, can mean a lot more work for the GM to add all the plot lines the players are expecting. (laughs) We we had some issues with that in the uh, Pathfinder-based home game that we ran that ended up having 18 characters. That was was fun. When they all got together for that one final fight, the initiative tracker actually went from our ceiling to our floor. Yep, I think that fight took two days to run. It was hardcore. Two sessions it was to run. Absolutely intense. Didn't two help, sessions, uh, and each of them was like ten hours long. Also, didn't help that everyone was twentieth level and tenth mythic tier. Oh boy. You know, so that's neat. <clears throat> so just you know, keep an eye on that. Be aware that hmm. you're gonna. Oh, and also, all of those people were uh, wanting different goals and having different things that they wanted to do. Oh yes, everyone which was tore coming, a lot of things yeah, in a lot of directions. Coming from different places. Still got a bunch of them in there. 
Uh, larger groups would benefit from proactive players who don't mind pitching in to help run the campaign. And honestly, a group of a group of a lot of people who are all helping run the campaign can be a pretty cool group. Mm-hmm. Can be but, a lot of fun. On the flip side of that, some players it may lead some players to feel a little bit more burnt out because they had to put more work in than they might have been expecting to do for the campaign because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be their leisure time and they feel like they've got homework for it and that can put some people off. Yeah. So. Any size group can work. Smaller and larger groups are going to need some special considerations and a bit more extra work from the GM. Three to five PCs is a comfortable place to be, but it's not the only way to play. Mm-hmm. Luckily, most published content for Dragon Age and uh, for Fantasy Age uh, have notes for scaling encounters based on how many PCs are present. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we've talked about how to build from the beginning. Talked about uh, what you what to do for session zero. So now that we're moving into session one, uh, what are you going to do then? Uh, now that you've got some good friends, they need to actually work together. Mm-hmm. So um, we're just going to kind of trickle in some tips and tricks for each class and uh, like what things you guys yeah. can do to add Just one to, or two know, to help yeah. your friends. About how to help your friends. Yeah, and the, I'm sure you guys will find some more. Um, but just to say, just to keep the party going strong, uh, Warriors. You're the heavy hitters and the heavy takers, so get up there, cause some mayhem. I'm starting to sound like uh, like I'm a coach. Yeah, you are. Get in there and say, get in their flank, get in their flanks, get that plus two outnumbering bonus. <laughs> uh, most of your class powers are going to be about hitting harder and faster with your weapons, but don't forget about stunt bonus that you get at level seven, which reduces the cost of threatened from two stunt points to one. I am probably going to have to tell Laura about this just because she, I don't think she, you know, Caitlin, I don't think she remembered that it's there, but it's it's super nice. Uh, she almost almost doesn't really even need it though. I mean, it's true. She kind of draws attention mm-hmm. anyway. But also a nice thing about for her in particular that can mm-hmm. be useful for others, the spe- guardian specialization yes. has come into extraordinarily useful play. Mm-hmm. Your specialization can change a lot mm-hmm. of how you work with a group. She just stands by me and takes damage for me, and that helps a lot because then the damage is spread out, and I can mm-hmm. heal it more easily. And it's just very good. It's a great way for the warrior and the mage in particular to work together mm-hmm. and provide keep each other going. Oh, yeah. So I really, I love the guardian thing. Definitely. I think it's awesome. I don't think she's been remembering that uh, every time someone attacks you with a melee attack, she gets to attack them. I think, I didn't even know that. Or I think it's every time, I think it's the first time that somebody attacks you and she they're also within them. reach, she can get a free whack at them. Well, recently they've been hitting me with arrows. It's so. true. They've been they've been they've been staying back and plugging folks with arrows. Mm-hmm. But uh, so Caitlin, listen up. Hmm. Threaten stunt lets you bark threats or hurtful words at a single foe. If you beat them in an opposed test of strength, intimidation versus willpower, self discipline, they must attack you somehow on their turn. That can be serious battlefield control. Mm-hmm. You can only get one person, but you can control their actions to a degree. Yeah. So, uh, if Callian's on the ground bleeding out, and someone looks like she's about there about to deal a death blow, and you've got a stunt point, get him out of there. <laughs> Do not forget that you got this thing. Are you yeah. are you being a coach still? I might be. Only one stunt point, you can sprinkle it in with your other stunts. Keep the enemies off your friends. Pull them over and pull them over to you so that the rogues can get backstabs if they favor stealth over bluff. Like so that Callian they, does. you know, take their eyes off the prize. Take their eyes off the prize. <laughs> Warriors with the champion specialization are also all about giving uh, their party a boost while discouraging their foes. Uh, getting rally mode up and running uh, running in will give your allies the push they're going to need. Mm-hmm. And of course, guardians are amazing. Yep, guardians are awesome. Uh, rogues. Perception is a primary ability for you, which means that you are probably going to become the party's lookout. 
having a high perception is probably going to save your party from ambushes or or for keeping the warrior from mm -hmm. walking into traps. You may not be quite as good at perception if you are a frontline fighter because then you will be wanting to pump your dexterity more than your perception. So. Mm -hmm. It's true. Not always going to be high perception, but they can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the ones who are focusing on fighting, however, you do get a special power at level 7 called Dirty Fighting. Um, you make an attack against somebody, and if you succeed, then you deal no damage, but you for you ask them to make a target number 15 constitution stamina test. If they fail... They're stunned. They get their... They get, like, one minor action? Yeah, they get the move minor action, specifically. Oh, specifically the move minor action. They can't change out weapons, they can't grab a potion, they can't activate anything. All they can do is move around. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you have any other uh, rogues in the party, then that means that uh, then all attacks against that stunned target become backstabs. Just Ouch. very, yeah, real nice if you've got other rogue friends. Yeah. So remember that one. And of course, if you're a bard, you're all about boosting your allies and controlling crowds. It'd be very useful to combat and roleplay. Mm -hmm. Very true. And then mages. Oh, mages. We can help a lot. What can't you guys do? Eh, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> <laughs> we have so many buffs, you guys. Uh, some of the ones that can be only single target are like heroic offense, heroic aura, heroic defense. But they can seriously help in the moment that you need them. Uh, the ones that go on weapons can stack if you put more than one on. Like flaming weapons, frost weapons, and good heavens, my all-time favorite, telekinetic weapons all work together. Good heavens, weapons. Good heavens. But later on, you can stack Flaming and Frost weapons with Elemental Mastery, which gives you an even bigger boost. But uh, just to point out about Telekinetic weapons, I'm sure I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. If you have a Duelist Rogue in the party, and you put Telekinetic weapons on that Duelist Rogue, and they are high enough level, every single attack they make is penetrating damage, adding your magic to the damage. If you want to bulk up your Rogue's damaging ability... You take that spell and you throw it at them every chance you get. Buh. It's fantastic. It's ruining me, guys. <laughs> it's the only reason we are still alive. I mean, it's well, That's true. not true. There are loads of reasons, but that is one of the big ones. Mm -hmm. uh, glyph spells. Glyph spells are all creation. Uh, glyph of Repulsion is great. Uh, glyph of Warding can help with ranged attacks and with spell power issues. Um, they can be super useful. To just sort of give you guys freedom to move. Yeah, Glyph of Paralysis can uh, lock down some enemies while you guys focus on some other ones. That's true. Of course, you have to know ahead of time that they're coming to do Glyph of Paralysis true. because that, that one, one takes a full minute to cast. That one just takes a full minute to cast, which in combat is only four rounds, but... Mm. But we have actually got a chance to do that. We got to fortify before we were attacked, and it came in extremely handy. It was very nice. Entropy Magic. Ooh, the yeah. Debuffers. Make your, you're not so much boosting your allies as you are ruining the lives of your foes, which helps your allies. Yeah, leave them wide open. Yep. Take out their defenses, take out their abilities. Mm -hmm. Just take your, them out. Yeah, or hit the ones that uh, like give them, like keep them from generating stun points for the rest of the combat. Or mm -hmm. the ones that give your allies extra stun points yep. when they're fighting them. And of course, healing magic. Uh, heals over time. A lot of this we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Ways that you can do healing that are particularly effective. It can help a lot. Bad things happen to good PCs. People <laughs> will get knocked out. People will get close to death. And having the ability to heal them can seriously, seriously turn the battle around. Definitely. Ooh, speaking of, a force field. I love force field. I've not it's noticed. so hard to cast. It's got a very high target number. 
but if you can get it off, it is a lifesaver. It, you cannot at all, it, like, in no way can you do damage to the person inside the force field. So, if you have a friend who is about to get attacked and only has a few hit points, you can cast that on them and they are suddenly untouchable. By anybody. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet, you can still send healing spells through. Yes. Spells still go through. <clears throat> Which is not damaging, though. Correct. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. Damaging spells might go through. I have to look at that one again. I'll look at that up. Either way, it's really good. It's Anti-magic- surrounded by a bunch of dark spell with rusty swords. That's the way it go. Anti-magic ward can be great when your friends are terrible at resisting spells. And we've when... We've got a couple of those. Yeah, we do. And then when they inevitably fail the spell, the the, tar- the tests versus the spell power, dispel magic can really help get rid of those pesky uh, debuffs. Oh, yeah. Those really nasty death hexes that require magic tests to resist. Your mates uh, can be like, hang on, I got something for that. Yep. It's hard to get to dispel magic, though. It's a mm-hmm. bit of a train. You need to be a spirit mage for that one. Yes. So, All we've right. gone through the fluffy outside and crunchy inside, and we're going to talk about the wrapping and overextending metaphors. Yep. I was going to go with icing. Icing works, too. I like that. Mm. Uh, but this may be more important than the rest of our advice. This is, we want you guys to, and this is, this is, Working, talking about keeping your party working together, but this is be kind to your fellow players. Mm-hmm. We don't mean the PCs and Thetas. We mean the people on Earth. Yep. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Communicate. Be kind to the people that you're sitting next to. They're your friends. That matters more than any game ever will. Oh, yes. And make sure everybody's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have characters that hate each other or have characters that are fighting all the time or that can be characters fun. that betray each other. Communicate with the players before any of that happens. Make sure that everyone's on board and that a fight between players, uh, characters does not become a fight between players. Yes. We're all here to have fun. Absolutely. Uh, some people are going to get their fun in different ways and probably possibly different ways from you. Some people like the technical challenge of an RPG. Min-maxing and such. Right. Some folks are just in it for the role play. Uh, some people are here to just hang out with their friends and use the game as social time. Some folks like to mess with the other players. Those are people you may want to... Yeah. If you're in a group of folks who are all okay with that, then that can be fun, but... Yeah, if, you, if, it's you a com- if you're right making it competitive, then you, yeah, you need the special group for that. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that one. Most people are going to fall into more than one of these categories. Um, so find out why you play, ask yourself, and try to play with others that won't step you won't step on the toes of and who are not going to step on your toes. Mm-hmm. And if you feel that your the group that you're with does not mesh well with your play style, uh, well, for one, you can talk to your group yes. and find out what they're talking about, what they are doing, and why they care about it. But if it seems like not resolvable, that they just happen to have a different play style, go find another group. You, if you can't find one where you live, there's online games. And if you keep going in a group that you're not having fun with, you're just going to waste your time and you could actually hurt some serious real friendships and yeah. that's not worth it. So if you come to the game uh, kind of dragging your feet and everyone else is having a good time and you're and you're just not feeling it because everyone else is, you know, just not doing it the way you like doing it, mm-hmm. people are going to notice and it's going to drag everyone down. It's true. Some folks can be great friends in real life. They might not work well together in an RPG, so be aware. Yep, just be nice. Don't make a real-life breach in your friendships. True. Not even an Inquisitor can fix your friends. It's true. 
And obviously, be careful with surprises. Be careful with PvP. Yeah. Like I said before, talk to your GM. Talk to the other players if you're going to do that. Keep an open mind. Be patient with your friends. Yeah. Just talk things out. We can... Communicate, be grown-ups. Hmm. It'll is, work out. This is a fun hobby. We can all get a little excited about it, but... Yeah. I'm sure everybody here is going to be able to do that just fine. Oh, yes. We know all about folks being well-rounded players. Not everyone's going to have the same style of play, so... Let's see. And if you have to talk, talk privately. Yeah. Don't call people out in yeah. the middle of a game. Don't That's call not people appropriate. out in the middle of a game. It's going to bring the game to a screeching halt, and it's going to make everyone feel awkward, and it could be hard to get the game started up again, and it could yep. that could hurt some feelings real fast. Yeah. Also, that person's going to be less likely to listen to what you have to say and more yes. interested in defending themselves while you yeah. attack them publicly. Approach them delicately, privately, and talk about it. Yeah. You guys know what to do. You guys know what to do. We're all adults here. It's all good. But I think... I think that is it for today, isn't it? I think it is time that we depart. Yep, my parents of, are here. I want to go hang out with them. Yes, we got a lot of holiday preparations to do. Uh, let's see, Melissa, whatever holiday you're celebrating, thank you folks so much for listening. Be safe out uh, Be safe in your travels. Mm-hmm. Hope you have excellent holidays, whatever they may be. Mm-hmm. Hope you go know, have folks get to see their family, their friends. Oh, you know, this is the last one for 2016, isn't it? It will be. Yeah, yeah, so have a happy new year as well, and we will see you in the new year. We'll see you next year. Uh, this is Rem wishing lots of sixes on that dragon die. This is Jessica wishing you good heels and happy feels. And thank you so much for listening to the Wonders of Thetis podcast. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. See you later.